X-Men Curse of the Man-Thing is the finale of a three-part Curse of the Man-Thing miniseries spanning the worlds of Marvel's Avengers, Spider-Man, and now X-Men. In Curse of the Man-Thing, the adopted niece of Horde culture, remember them, is magically manipulating the abilities of the Man-Thing, so the entire world, and possibly multiverse, always remember that whatever knows fear burns at the Man-Thing's touch. Today I'll answer, what does the Man-Thing have to do with Krakoa and the X-Men? Who is on Magic's new X-Men team, the Dark Riders? What happens to Horde culture here that might have major ramifications for the Hickman era of X-Men, as well as some theories and predictions for what is going on here, why the X-Men are caught up in Man-Thing-based stories as we move forward in the reign of X and where X-Men comics are at here currently in 2021. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You're listening to Crack and Krakoa as we dig into this Curse of the Man thing and some theories. If you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and commenting. It all helps me out a great deal. You can find full X-Men and comic book reading orders on ComicBookHerald.com, including a Man-Thing reading order if you are so inclined. Spoilers for Discuss Comics may follow. Writer Steve Orlando, artist Andrea Bricardo, colors by Guru EFX. Throughout the Avengers and Spider-Man first two issues, with a full story broken into nine chapters, we see plant-like growths effectively disrupting and exploding across the world, with Man-Thing's fear-burning powers amplified on a worldwide scale. Overall, I enjoyed the story more than expected, frankly, not because I don't like Steve Orlando's work, I do a lot, but because I'm not usually that into much post-Steve Gerber's 70s Man-Thing. Ted Salas, the original Man-Thing, has his abilities manipulated here by Harrower. Again, we'll talk about her connections to horror culture here shortly. And throughout the story, Man-Thing is visited by a, w a wide array of Marvel heroes inside his Man-Thing scape. There is no better way to say that, you'll just have to trust me. Such as Captain America, Spider-Man, and Magic. Meanwhile, on Krakoa, the human world burns while Krakoa suffers nothing more than a new hedge piece. They are largely unimpacted by this man-thing outburst because Krakoa is uniquely positioned to manage these plant-based uprisings, so Krakoa, and mutant kind as a result, is perfectly safe. We see the Quiet Council, Magneto in particular, the Winter Council, they are satisfied, kind of, to let the world burn, basically saying this is a human problem, it is not our problem. Nonetheless, Storm does the X-Men heroism thing. Before we officially have, in you know the timeline of X-Men comics, our heroic duty X-Men officially protecting the world after the Hellfire Gala announcement, right? In the Hellfire Gala that's coming in June 2021, which is after this Curse of the Man-Thing series, the official new roster of an X-Men franchise led by Cyclops and Jean Grey are going to be getting back to sort of the basics of X-Men protecting the world. And, you know, in this new ongoing from Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz, but Storm is very much espousing that ethos here to the Quiet Council saying this is still our world to protect. Now, as Krakoa is deciding to, once again, after King and Black, show up to save the day for humanity, Ted Salas wrestles with the truth of his turn into the Man-Thing. He tells Captain America the Man-Thing experiments that turn him into not-Swamp-Thing were meant to replicate the super-soldier formula, and reveals as the story progresses that Salas' science couldn't actually crack the formula. Instead, he turned to Dark Magics, bringing out our good, creepy pal, Belasco, then ruler of Limbo, later to be replaced by Ileana Rasputin, aka Magic, 
into the picture, okay? Any deals with Belasco, generally a bad sign. Man-Thing made a deal with the devil of sorts, which, yes, gives the Marvel Universe Man-Thing, you know, it like it gives us our Man-Thing character, but more dramatically, it unleashes the interdimensional magic of Belasco and Limbo that opens a portal in space-time and created the nexus of all realities. Okay, this is new. Like, this is a new development in Marvel continuity. This has not been explained before, and it's kind of a big deal if you think about it. What is the nexus of all realities? Okay, just reading straight from the wiki here, it's a cross-dimensional gateway which provides a pathway to any and all possible realities. It's a doorway into alternate realities, right? If you think about the Krakoan gates as sort of these portals and doorways onto Krakoa, onto a mutant realm, you know, the nexus of all realities is that but for, you know, all realities. So Man-Thing's guardianship and connection to the nexus was generally a mystery up to this point. It sort of just seemed, I mean, there are some explanations throughout Marvel history, but more or less, it kind of just felt like this weird coincidence, like Man-Thing just happens to live in this swamp where the nexus of all reality is. is. He has some experience. If you've read your Gerber Man-Thing, you kind of see it pop up if you read your Howard the Duck, same deal. That's actually where we see Howard the Duck introduced, kind of transporting or, you know, um, uh, traveling through the nexus of all realities, through these alternate realities. At least that's my memory of it. Um, so there's always been a connection there. But now we know that it was actually created by Man-Thing, by Ted Salas, rather, through his interactions with Belasco and the magics of Limbo. This is pretty interesting and new. Now, this brings us to, you know, what is going on in the X-Men side of things, which is the X-Men saying, all right, we're going to do the heroism thing. How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to send Magic in to talk to Ted Salas and figure out what's going on. Obviously, she knows Limbo better than anyone, and she's going to bring in her new Dark Riders. Who are the Dark Riders? We have Marrow throws sharp bones out of her body and is extremely sarcastic with a devil-may-care attitude. For more, I actually recommend Cy Spurrier's run on X-Force, in which Marrow is a focused character. Cy Spurrier, of course, writing the ongoing Way of X series, which I love right now, in the Reign of X. We also get Shark Girl, a really fun newer character, who, get this, looks like a shark. I liked her character a lot in the Ed Brisson-written Old Man Logan run that preceded House and Powers. We also have Forearm, one of the OGs of the Mutant Liberation Front, and probably the best pun name Rob Layfield ever gave a character, intriguingly also a part of Sword's security division right now, but playing double duty on the Magic Riders. We have Mamomax, a big strong elephant bro and former Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. He fights Juggernaut in one of the less very bad Chuck Austin written Uncanny X-Men stories, and otherwise I don't have a like ton of information about him, but I like his design, I gotta say. Like, going with just like, what if an elephant was really badass looking, but actually not much of a threat? I'm into it. I need more from Mamomax. We also have Wolf Cub here, who debuted in the never-discussed early aughts Chamber Mini, written by Brian K. Vaughn. I think it was only four issues. And I'll admit my general knowledge of Wolf Cub is not Wolfsbane and not Feral, but the characters had a decent role in the uh, Yost and Kyle new X-Men days and young X-Men afterwards as well. So it is a kind of unexpected hodgepodge of mutants that we really have not spent a whole lot of time with, which I actually think is great. Like, that's what Hellions was. You know, when you think about it, when you saw that announcement of what Hellions was going to be in that series written by Zeb Wells, you know, we've had Carmen Carnero and Steven Segovia doing art. Um, that initial lineup announcement was like, who? What? Why? And uh, Dark Riders kind of have that vibe, but in a way that I think could be very fun if explored more thoroughly. The Dark Riders show up here, and they beat down on Horror's plant life, giving Man-Thing room to try and beat down on Horror and kind of end this threat to the earth, right? So they're showing up to, to provide muscle to allow for the opportunity for, you know, the world to stop burning. I got to say, I would love to see more from this team, honestly. Like, I think it would be a lot of fun. I mean, Magic is a bit busy 
in New Mutants, but that's a character who can handle a fair amount. And I hope that continuity can carry through where this Dark Riders team is like they're they're around and they do stuff. And if not an ongoing, you know, the sort of team that could pop into the pages of a New Mutants on some missions, because again, all these characters are pretty fun and pretty interesting characters that Orlando has a good feel for and does a nice job just in the one issue they get. Now, this was not something I realized until I actually just happened to be rereading it, but the original Dark Riders debuted in X-Factor 65-69, to a.k.a. the Jim Lee, Will Spartacio, and Chris Claremont issues, where Apocalypse kidnaps baby Nathan Summers, and Gene and Scott are forced to give him up to the future to save him from the techno-organic virus. I'd read this story uh, for My Marvelous Year, the podcast where we go through the history of Marvel Universe, um, like days before writing this video, and I still didn't remember any of the original Dark Riders' names. <laughs> so the Dark Riders weren't exactly primo Apocalypse, Apocalypse Horseman material, but nonetheless, this name has been used before. Uh, it was actually used, like this Dark Riders franchise, I mean, they pop up as recently as um, the, the Uncanny X-Men series written by Colin Bunn, where Magneto, I think like blew them up on an island <laughs> if memory serves so they presumably are in resurrection protocols uh not claiming reclaiming this name anytime soon but it's another instance and it's not super relevant but it's another instance of mutant kind and teams uh, characters that have been associated with the x-men more or less or with some of the more for heroic franchises sort of reclaiming some of that like you have to see with the marauders right where you're reclaiming kind of a name of a team that was historically very villainous now looking a bit more closely at our antagonist harrower has been raised and trained by horde culture the eco-terrorist introduced in hickman's x-men number three and shown again in empire x-men making this horde culture's third appearance Harrower refers to her Aunt Augusta, but is clearly at odds with the group's mandate to protect the biome above all else, wishing they would go further in their stated goals, effectively wiping humanity from the Earth. Think Poison Ivy at her angriest, but more magic-y. Now, big picture, I really refer um, or prefer Orlando's take on horror culture, giving the elderly ladies more gravity and clearer purpose with, with this, you know, this new unit, right? And not trying to capture that failed comedy of Hickman in the team's debut. Like, I do think that was Horror Culture, or um, X-Men number three in which the team debuted. You know, Horror Culture was definitely, there was some controversy just because of the outlandishness of it all and the, the real attempt at a sense of humor that, like, is not strongly present elsewhere. I think Orlando kind of grounds that in a way that, that I found pretty appealing. Um, you know, and we do have here, like, you know, some more a little more character development for these for these individuals, right? We get to know her coach a little bit more because again, like they are gonna play a role. <laughs> like these this team doesn't just get dropped into you know the Kirkona ecosphere without you know pun intended um without any plan or any intentionality right so i think seeing these characters develop learning more about them it is somewhat useful now horde culture status is anti-heroic foils for the x-men continues too right they are not just out and out villains even though they definitely have you know run across Kirko in the past they absolutely do attempt to stop Harrower here they think she is going too far nonetheless they are unsuccessful which actually results in some of the team being lost in the multiverse they are cast into the multiverse through the nexus of all realities via Harrower which brings me to the most interesting development here for horror culture which is that they are now flipping multiversal <laughs> okay like we have a horde culture that has traveled the multiverse now listen this could be the sort of thing that no one ever mentions again right <laughs> very easily they could just come back and be done with it but horde culture gaining access to the multiverse and technology or ideas there that might help horde culture against the krakoan x-men is very interesting Think of all the plants across the multiverse that they could have learned about, right? Think about they could have seen what other horticultures are doing across the multiverse anytime 
anytime any unit is going across the multiverse, I'm interested in what their learnings are, what they might bring back with them to Earth-616. Now, I maintain that a multiverse of mutants remains one of the largest untapped conversations, issues, and storylines to enter into the Hickman and Krakoa era of X-Men. Horde culture has been through the nexus of all realities into the multiverse. They are bringing that again to the X-Men books, or at least they have that potential. You know, we've and we've seen limited iterations of this through X-Men comics so far, right? We've seen like Betsy Braddock, of course, has all sorts of multiverse connections in Excalibur through the Captain Britain Corps. Even a mild alliance with Man-Thing as guardian of the nexus of all realities for the X-Men opens up another possible gateway for mutants as they also explore the reality warping properties potentially of Mysterium through S.W.O.R.D., right? This this thing that, uh, you know, Manifold and the S.W.O.R.D. teams have gone out and gathered through the mutant space program. So I, I think the we're not done with the multiverse here. I think traveling through alternate realities and all that, like that's going to be something that keeps coming up. And potentially we have Horde culture playing a role because of the way this issue played out. Now, before we move on, I'll also note here that Orlando's presence in the Krakoa sphere feels intentional, right? It definitely feels like the Marvel offices are gearing up to include Steve Orlando more in future works, which I, for one, look forward to. Um, Steve Orlando is a very good writer. If you haven't read his Midnighter series for DC, it's excellent. Um, some of his creator-owned works are fantastic as well. He's an ongoing right now called Commanders in Crisis that is very, very interesting. Definitely, I think, a Morrison acolyte, a Grant Morrison acolyte, which is kind of always appreciated. So we have this Curse of the Man-Thing special, and, and now he's making his way to Marvel, but we see Curse of the Man-Thing. He's going to be writing Magneto and the Mutant Force as part of the Heroes Reborn ongoing event in the pages of Avengers. And then we're going to see a Steve Orlando written story which introduces Somnus, this new um, the new queer character in Marvel Voices Pride Number 1 who is going to be a mutant, okay? So Steve Orlando's playing a role already, whether we realize it or not, in shaping what's going on with Krakoa. Don't be surprised if this writer gets brought in to, to do more, more thoroughly in the X line, and that would be a great addition. Seriously, like that would be an awesome, awesome add to Krakoa's already, um, to the X Men office's already very strong lineup. Now, big picture. There's an interesting and frankly surprising trend incorporating Man-Thing into the fringes of the Krakoan era of X-Men. This began with Weapon Plus World War IV, a one-shot written by Ben Percy, aka writer of X-Force and Wolverine, with art by Jorge Sente early in 2020. For the unfamiliar, Weapon Plus is the program trying to crack the super soldier formula, or more aptly turning humans into weapons, and are responsible for the likes of Captain America, Wolverine, Phantom X, Ultimaton, and now Jackson Strode, aka Manslaughter, aka a gloriously on-point comic book play on Man-Thing. It's not super relevant here, but also worth noting that the backup story in this issue by Ryan Cady and David Baldion stars Brute Force, aka Paul Shear's dream Marvel movie, taking down an Orcus supply ship. It is one of the, uh, it, like it is super inessential, but it mentions Orcus. It was one of the earlier mentions of them too, when we didn't know a whole lot about the franchise. Now we get a little bit more here through the pages of like Sword and Way of X, but Brute Force has battled. Um, and, and Brute Force, if you don't know, uh, you can see in the, the image here if you're watching the YouTube, they're animal soldiers. <laughs> they were a uh, 1990s miniseries um, that was very short-lived, um, but they have like a bear soldier and a dolphin soldier, and it's very comical, and there's a good Paul Shear documentary on uh, on Disney Plus right now about trying to make that into a movie. Okay, so what do we make in the man thing of it all? Well, again, Magic and the Dark Riders aid potentially forms an alliance that could lead to easier access to the nexus of all realities, which I, I think is definitely an interesting thing for mutant kind. Additionally, given Krakoa's organic nature, it doesn't seem impossible that mutant kind could have a particularly green super team on their side in the future, right? Like, why couldn't we have Krakoa, Man-Thing, Black Tom, Doug Ramsey, Horde Culture, Arako and Red Root, right? We could have a very organic, <laughs> you know, sort of bio-inclined uh, green team that could play a role 
in in defending you know Krakoa and or defending the nation rather because Krakoa itself is is uh, an entity a sentient being um, that they could play a role and I, I do want to mention too like the nexus of all realities you know in this this travel we haven't seen Rasputin in a minute okay we have not seen Rasputin from Powers of Ten in a whole minute and access to the nexus of all realities maybe there's some potential there right maybe that's how we get Rasputin back in the fray so. X-Men Curse of the Man thing, um, it's it's not like going to blow your socks off, but I really, I like the additions. I like the magic and the Dark Riders potential. And like I talked about here, there's there's this kind of uh, surprising undercurrent of Man-Thing's relevance <laughs> to X-Men comics. Could be circumstantial, could be an accident, um, could just be sort of coincidence, but well, you know, we'll see. Yeah, talked about some of the theories here. So let me know. What are your theories? What are your comments? What do you think about these comics? What do you think about where things are going? Um, just other questions for the Reign of X and this era of X-Men. What book do you think Steve Orlando is going to write in the X-Men line if that does get announced. I'd be interested in that as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Dave. You can support the site, and you can support the YouTube channel over on patreon.com slash comicbookherald. It is greatly appreciated. It encourages me, and it keeps me going. Uh, thanks so much to the Mysterious Benefactors tier for your support. Specifically, you get your name shouted out here. Thank you, Jesse W., Megan Getman, Cole Weathers, Martin Lopez, Chris Isidro, Brent Bowser, Professor X3769, Richard Renz, Verisimilitude, Terra Nort, Ed Mackey, Clyde to Glide, Pinball Drew, Mike Solomons, Matt Mahoney, and John Samander. Again, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com, at comicbookherald on social. Look for the best comics ever and my Marvelous Year podcast for more from me. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics.